Welcome to the People of Bloomsbury podcast, the first book in the Curled Up and Cozy collection, narrated from the desk of the author DJ Swales. Part 1 A New Day. Chapter 4 Turtle. Turtle Ossian Thomas, Crickieth's family name, mirrored that of the North Wales coastal town where he had first cried out for his mother's bosom. He was conceived there too, on clammy seaweed-strewn pebbles at the foot of a steep coastal hill crowned by the ramparts of a ruined castle. An ominous and suffocating place on a grey winter's day, in summer the slopes were alive with wildflowers, puffins and guillemots. The seabirds nested among heavy sun-baked stones that once lined the halls and chambers of ancient Welsh royalty. Below the castle ramparts, Turtle's parents spent their teenage summers skinny-dipping. This led to his conception on one particularly luminous moonlit night. He often recalled how his mother had described in Welsh once the language of a swathe of territory stretching from Dover to Edinburgh, how a phosphorescence had manifested in the water around them. It was liquid silver, but with a ghostly green glow, she said, adding how the wind had seemed to whisper the words of lost legends. It was like a grand reflection of the northern lights, his father had described, but pulled in a sea of mercury. Phantasmic fingers of shimmering northern lights were often sighted over North Wales but never in August. A huge leatherback turtle had surfaced close to the courting couple. Water swirled over its giant shell with the luminous magic of starlight. Its head was the size of a cow's, his mother had once said, as they shared a packet of pickled onion flavour monster munch. Turtle had often explained to people how the largest turtles in the world travelled across the ocean to gorge on table-sized jellyfish in Welsh bays. There is a record-breaking female in the Welsh National Museum, he would say. She hangs there like a shiny, embalmed dinosaur. Go and see her for yourself. After the great reptile let out a sudden groan, the young couple fled to shore and fell onto their beach towels. In their fright, they clung to each other, seeking instinctive solace and intimate reassurances while the soft-shelled beast watched from beyond the shoreline. That night of enchantments ensured the birth of Ridgemount Gardens' chief feather collector, 11 months later.
Despite being 65, Turtle had immense bodily control. He could stand quite still without the slightest vibration, even slowing his breath and heartbeat in the same way as an African lungfish that awaits the return of sweet water to a parched Serengeti riverbed. He swore it was a gift of that night in Crickieth, and the two extra months he spent absorbing wisdom in his mother's womb. If all babies hung on a little bit longer, they'd be far better prepared, he enjoyed explaining. But what did I do wrong? Nothing was damaged, he complained when his unusual skills saw him banned from Madame Tussauds in London and Amsterdam, where he had frozen rigid among the wax figures, dressed as either Gypsy Rose Lee or super spy Matahari. In Singapore, on his way home from seeing family in Melbourne, Turtle drank ten litres of electrolytes before slowing down his heart rate to spend 48 hours in their local Madame Tussauds. This time he was disguised as the city's founder and former governor of Java, Sir Stamford Raffles. He sneaked away in the small hours when bladder pain caused him to cry out in the night. Security guards had initially blamed a pregnant civet cat that had been seen stalking the corridors, but Morella, one of the employees, was an extreme hoarder of free perfume samples. Her keen nostrils had detected an unexpected whiff of Paco Rabanne. Examinations of security cameras soon revealed the two-legged culprit. A warrant was issued for Turtle's arrest. Mugshots of his agonised face were posted at Changi Airport and all ferry ports, leaving him no choice but to take the offer of a scrap metal merchant who concealed him under ten tons of metal ball bearings and smuggled him across the causeway to Johor in Malaysia. The price he negotiated with Mr. Lim, the self-styled scrap metal king of five Malaysian states, included all of his cash, his passport, and a promise to send a box of good luck hand-caught pigeon feathers from Bloomsbury. From Johor, Turtle travelled to Malacca, then up to the mock Tudor tea houses of the Cameron Highlands, where he worked as a waiter for six months to earn the fare home. He lodged in the very same hamlet from where Thailand's foremost silk tycoon had vanished years before, a notorious mystery to this day. Jim Thompson, an American war hero based in Bangkok, was last seen strolling among the plantations that lined the hills. Everybody there knows he was eaten by a tiger, Turtle later asserted. The woodlands between the tea terraces used to be teeming with them. Even in Singapore, tigers were eating one person a day up until the 1950s. And if tigers didn't get you, the leopards and giant pythons would. And don't even get me started on all the king cobras. They're as long as a bus, some of them. Why don't they ever talk about this? Mrs Hargreaves had asked him one afternoon when he went upstairs to buy carrots from her balcony farm. She was still smiling then, in the days before her husband tragically passed away in Tokyo due to a freak accident. 
The local tea houses are practically a cabal. They cover everything up. The ravenous local wildlife compromises their genteel image of Miss Marple eating cucumber sandwiches and swilling down bottomless Earl Grey tea. Turtle had always enjoyed practising his unusual ability to remain utterly motionless in various London parks, especially Richmond Park, where he took delight in fooling newborn fawns. They investigated his poised body with innocent curiosity, but he bore a nasty scar on his left buttock, painfully inflicted when a peeved red deer stag realised that Turtle most definitely wasn't a tree. In Ridgemount Gardens, the rising sun revealed Turtle to be rigid and covered by a white sheet, like a statue in a shuttered summer house from the Great Gatsby. Light danced from the leaves of the yellow trees behind the windows of his studio. In his excitement, Turtle's eyes bulged from two crudely cut peepholes. Yes, yes, he thought, as he watched three fat pigeons feast on his windowsill. The largest of them, a perfectly plump wood pigeon, waddled along a crumb trail, gobbling every morsel on the outside ledge. The bird paused at the threshold of the window, lifting its head to assess the sliding pane. Just like Marie Antoinette peering up at Madame Guillotine, thought Turtle. For a second the bird was cautious, then forgot about danger the next. Pea brain, he thought, mocking the bird before urging, Come on, I need those feathers. I've got to sell a hundred good luck charms at Camden Market this weekend, or I won't make rent. And Mr. Lim in Malaysia wants another shipment. They're selling like hotcakes over there. Thank you for joining me, DJ Swales, on my podcast and today's reading from my upcoming book, People of Bloomsbury. Uh, I really appreciate all of the support my listeners give me on Patreon and buying my books, and uh, I hope you'll join me for the next episode. Thank you so much. <laughs>